RadioInfluence.com. All right, and we are back. William Frankie, the law father here. Uh, they invited us back for a second episode, so uh, I guess we're doing all right. Yeah, please go on and rate and review uh, this podcast and subscribe to it. That would be very helpful for us. Well, as I was dissecting the first podcast, uh, someone told me, hey, the, your first podcast is always your worst podcast. So let's go ahead and start the show off there. Uh, as I mentioned previously, we share some law enforcement stories and Coming into this, I really didn't have a law enforcement story for us for today and wasn't necessarily going to get to that, but uh, here we are. We're in number two, and the first time is the worst time, and that's uh, that's where we're going to start this thing. So I'm going to take you back to about 2006. Uh, a buddy of mine and I are, are working in the South Greenwood area of Clearwater. There's a, a Circle A store there. Those of you from the Tampa area are probably very familiar now with that Circle A store. Uh, Michael Dredgeka, I believe his last name is, the more, the most famous Stand Your Ground uh, case or the, the most recent Stand Your Ground case that we have started in that parking lot. Well, back before that parking lot was uh, the center of national attention for Stand Your Ground, a buddy of mine and I were working deputies there uh, on midnight shift and and uh, we got a call, and it was a domestic call, and we end up at the Circle A store, and he's on one side of the building, and I'm on the other side of the building, and uh, our suspect is behind the building. And uh, not, a, not a great spot, I guess, for any of us to be in. And well, the suspect starts running, and me being the brand new guy, by brand new, uh, I had just finished training. I was probably out of training for about two weeks, and when you get done with training, they give you a car, and they give you the blessing, and they send you on your way, go save the world. And here I was going to save the world. And so I see this guy running and I know that my partner's on the other side of the building. And I start to yell out at my partner and I'm yelling at him because, well, he's on the other side of a building. And during me yelling at him, I realize, well, shoot, I probably need to let everybody else in the radio know that I am running and chasing somebody through the woods, not just the guy who's at the building. So I go ahead and key up my mic literally as I'm screaming at the other guy on the other side of the building. And it was a loud, screeching, shocking scream through the radio as I'm chasing this guy, uh, which took me a long time to live down because that is one thing. Law enforcement and sports, your teammates and your partners, they don't let you live anything down. So that is the law enforcement story of the day. The first time is always the worst time. So. Let's uh, let's get into a little bit more sobering type news here. Uh, still back on this coronavirus thing here, and you know most people are at home. So let's take this as an opportunity. Let's not look at this as a negative. Let's take this and turn this around, and let's really work to turning it into a positive. And, and that's one thing that myself and my law firm is really working on doing is Let's make this the most positive thing that we can. And yes, I'm not trying to minimize the fact that this is a virus that has killed people, a virus that from all accounts is anywhere from flu-like symptoms to some of the worst thing that they have ever felt. I have read all ends of the spectrum on it. So not trying to minimize that aspect to it. But for those of us that are healthy, 
you know, we, we thank God that we are healthy, but let's take this time to do something good. And to that end, we as a law firm are A, staying open this entire time. We want to be a pillar for everybody who is out there who doesn't have the ability to stay open and to make that regular paycheck. We want to be there for our clients. When our clients dial 855 Law Father, there will be somebody picking up that phone, irregardless of if our governor orders a, a stay at home order or the mayor or the county commission. And this is not a knock on them, but we have our system set up so that we will remain open. And as we're remaining open, we're looking at it as, hey, let's turn this into a positive. Hey, we're still moving cases. So that's one of the things that's positive. But here's the other piece we're looking at internally, how do we make things better? How do we make this a better experience? And I challenge you all out there to figure out a way to make whatever it is you do a better experience. Get better at something. Use this time to find a way to get better. Uh, The president of the University of Tampa, uh, I have the fortune of being on the University of Tampa alumni board. So I've had a little bit more interaction with the president uh, there. And it's, you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And that is something that he instills on his staff. So I'm going to take that from him. I'm going to leave that out there for you. You're not getting better, you're getting worse. Uh, Thoughts and prayers to everybody that is sick or affected by this disease or this virus in one way, shape, or form. Let's also talk about something that I find to be somewhat near and dear to my heart, working out. All right? Every day, up at five, in the gym, getting after a little workout. So take this time. Also take this opportunity to say, hey, I'm going to get in better shape than I already am, and I'm already in good shape, or, hey, I want to start a workout plan because that's been something that I've wanted to have a goal to do. Take this time to do that. There's plenty of opportunity to do a home workout program, and we're blessed here in Tampa. Early mornings, it's really nice. I promise you, 68 degrees this morning, and it was gorgeous. So great time to work out, get after it, get you a home workout program. Here's a, here's a little tip. Push-ups, squats, lunges. You can do all of those. No equipment needed. Do that right in your house. Uh, if you have any questions, although I'm not an actual trainer, uh, I've spent years and years and years uh, doing workouts and putting my own workouts together and pulling things from from different avenues, email me, wfrankie at frankielaw.com. I'll help you out. I'll give you some ideas, okay? Let's come out of this thing better, both from a work perspective, from a mental perspective, and from a physical perspective. Uh, also, if you're looking for a program, I believe John Wellborn uh, with Power Athlete has a uh, free program set up. Uh, I follow his stuff. Uh, on the paid side of it with regular uh, free weights and barbells and dumbbells uh, and all of that. But I believe during this time, he has put out a free program. So, you know, highly encourage you, check that out, email me or call me. I'll talk to anybody about anything. Don't have a problem with that. Now, as I mentioned in the first episode, let's keep supporting our local restaurants. They're the ones that are hurting the most from this. They really have no choice but to shut down. They, they've been ordered to shut down and there's not really a way to work at home when you are working in a restaurant, uh, I suppose, unless you're management and you're finding a way to make things better, right? But for the servers, for the cooks, 
for for all of those people, there's no work at home option. So my picks for today for our local restaurants, number one is Cask, which is in Tampa on Howard. Good friend of mine, Vincent Jackson, runs that place. So go check that out. Number two, Cafe Chibo in St. Pete. Go check that out. Uh, I know the owner through another contact of mine. I don't never actually talk to the owner, but uh, somebody that I know is good friends with that person and uh, speaks very highly of the place. So that is why that is my St. Pete pick for today. So that is enough on the coronavirus update. You all are getting bombarded with that on a day-to-day basis. So let's talk about something a little bit more fun. Let's turn this into a sports show uh, at a time when there are no sports. Uh, great time for the NFL. Uh, NFL is in its offseason, and uh, an offseason that got a little interesting as we got into it. And you know, we had uh, some fireworks, and those fireworks came in terms of the collective bargaining agreement. Now, just to be clear, we could have played 2020 under the original collective bargaining agreement. And let's take a step back. Why am I the one to talk to you about the collective bargaining agreement? Well, I am an uh, NFL PA certified contract advisor. Uh, I've had players that have signed with the Bucks and the Falcons in the past, and uh, we have a steady stable of guys who are set for this year's draft, the 2020 NFL draft. Now, these guys, you know, my heart goes out to them for this year because pro days all canceled. So, and that is where pro day is. Think about it like this. It is the NFL combine that takes place at the individual schools. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are drafted. There are a lot of guys who are signed. And a lot of those draftings and signings come from these local pro days at the schools. So uh, that is one impact that that they are having. And that is one of the biggest challenges that we are seeing as agents right now is how do we get our players out to these scouts? So that is one thing. And, you know, when, when these guys sign, the biggest difference in this collective bargaining agreement affects these new guys. So we will get to that and what that means, but let's talk a little bit about where we are and why that is. And, the collective bargaining agreement was set to expire in 2020 uh, at the end of this season here coming up. And the players association had prepared us to get our players prepared for a lockout or a strike. And the difference between a lockout and a strike lockout are the owners saying players, you're not coming in the facility. A strike is the player saying we're not coming in the facility. Uh, that has not worked out well for the NFL in the past. Um, really difficult to keep that many people organized and uh, it's really difficult when your sole source of income is an NFL paycheck and previously per the old collective bargaining agreement you were getting 17 paychecks a year and that was it Uh, that's since changed uh, in this new collective bargaining agreement they're getting 34 to 36 depending on the scenario but luckily this collective bargaining agreement was signed we have labor peace from now until 2030 so that said, what does all of this really mean? Well, let's start with this. Let's start with the salary cap. Salary cap is really the most important thing. The salary cap tells us what the most any team can spend on their team, right? Pretty simple concept, except for when you read the collective bargaining agreement, it's about 20 to 30 pages that explain to us how we calculate what this salary cap is and how we get there and what money makes up that salary cap. 
Think about it like this. The higher the salary cap, the higher the pay. Now, the salary cap is directly tied into something called all revenues. All right. All revenues are essentially what that says is all revenues for the entire league. Now, the new collective bargaining agreement adds an additional 1% to all revenues. So prior, the prior CBA was 47% of all revenues made up the salary cap. It is now 48%. When you're talking about $100 million, 1% is a million dollars. Okay, Multiply that on and on and on throughout what the entire league makes. And we're talking about a substantial sum of money. Uh, additionally, uh, there is going to be a 17th game that will be added. Uh, I believe that is to take effect no sooner than 2020. Uh, that then increases the all revenues up to uh, 48.5% if the TV deal gets 60% better. Okay, So all this said, 1% doesn't sound like a lot. That other half percent doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're taking those percentages and you are multiplying it over hundreds of millions of dollars, you are talking about a lot of dollars. Now, here's the guys that benefit the most from this deal. Okay, and I know we all heard a lot on Twitter and social media about the the increases and, and the how some of the star players were upset, and that's fine. Okay, but 60% of the league is made up of guys making at or near the minimum salaries. So these guys saw the biggest jump. And these are the guys that personally I like to represent. My partner and I in the sports business, we generally represent small school guys. Small school guys generally fall in this category of making at or near the minimum salary. So first-year players all of a sudden got an increase of $100,000. That is huge. Okay, It may not sound... It, it, it's always huge, and we talk about how much players make and how they're overpaid and everything else, but think about it like this. These guys, their career is, on average, two years. That's it. They are getting that salary over two years, and then they have to find and get into a new career. Also, you only get paid if you're on the active roster. If you're not on the active roster, you're not getting paid. No game check for you. So, even if your salary is $610,000, that doesn't mean that you're definitely getting $610,000 for the year. What they do is, and it'll be interesting to see how the language is in the new collective bargaining agreement because the checks are spaced out now over 34 to 36 weeks, uh, depending. And I, I believe it's going to be that 17th game that's going to be the decisioner, decision maker. Decisioner is not a word. Uh, we can add that to the dictionary maybe later. We can contact Webster and see if they can make that happen for us. Uh, but 34 weeks for this year. Previously, it was over 17 weeks. Really easy to do the math on that. It's game checks. You play a game, you get a check, and you get 117th of that check. Okay, Really, really easy to figure out. Really easy math. Really easy to know when you're getting your check. Uh, if you don't make the roster, you don't get a check. So that's how that worked in the past, and it'll continue to work like that. However, there will be more checks throughout the year, which I think will help players. Uh, those guys who are on the lower end of the spectrum, uh, having those checks spaced out should help them be able to budget and be able to uh, live life in a, in a way that we typically see. I mean, most people get uh, 24 to 26 paychecks 
every single year, depending on if you're on biweekly or every other week. So uh, put some more in line with that process. Now, another change is for, uh, for first round guys. Okay. First round picks in the old collective bargaining agreement, your fifth year was guaranteed. So if you got hurt in year four, okay, only year five was guaranteed. Now years four and five are guaranteed. That's big. Uh, and it, it really is. Anytime you can get guaranteed money, that's a big thing. So year four, year five, both of those now guaranteed. And this goes retroactive back to the 2018 draft. Uh, there are now increases for postseason pay. Uh, also, bi-week team now gets a pay. So think about this. Previously, hey, you're one of the best teams in the league. You get a bye week You make less money. It's crazy how that worked, but uh, they've now rectified that. And uh, for those Jacksonville Jaguars fans, I believe you guys have two games in London this year. So each player in your team will get a will get five thousand dollars for each additional game that they play. Um, so take that a step back. For the first game, that's part of their contract. For that second game that Jacksonville plays in England is an additional five thousand dollars for each player. Another couple couple key pieces. Your favorite player, he gets hurt. He goes on injured reserve. Previously, teams could only bring two guys back. Now they can bring three. Active rosters increase to 48 from 46. That helps the guys that I represent out uh, a lot, uh, having those two extra spots. And practice squad gets bigger, helps those guys out. Practice squad guys are now eligible for benefits, 401k, tuition reimbursement, all of those things. So that's big, important stuff that helps those guys out a lot who really help the guys that you see on Sunday get to where they need to be. Lastly, everybody's favorite, drug testing. No more suspensions for positive weed tests. All right, so uh, these guys can essentially go out and smoke uh, based on how it's written. As a trade-off, increased penalty for DUI. It is now a three-game suspension up from two games. Look, no excuse. There's there's no excuse really for anybody. Now, look, we represent people who get DUIs. Uh, we have Monique Scott in our office. She handles our criminal defense side of things as former state attorney. And we, we can handle them on the defense side. I handle them more when we have somebody that's been hit by somebody who is driving drunk and handle those cases that way. There's no excuse for it on either side of it. There is no excuse for DUI, plenty of things out there uh, for those of us regular Joes, Lyft, Uber, taxi cabs, walk, call a friend, do something. Even more so for these NFL guys, there are actually things in place, phone numbers that they can call that are part of the Players Association that they can get rides. So also their agents. If any of my guys called me and said, hey, I need a ride, um, especially when we had guys in Tampa, that was a real easy equation. They're not in Tampa. Hey, don't worry about it. Sit where you are. We'll call you an Uber. And it's really, really easy. So really no excuse for that. Um, but if you if you did get arrested for a DUI and you do need some help with it, 855-LAWFATHER will get you in touch with Monique. Just don't do it. That, that's really the big takeaway there. So now on the last episode, we had case or no case, which was uh, a takeoff from a TV segment that I used to do. And now for this episode, we're going to take some legal questions. Okay, so... What I had done was gone on social media, Instagram, the Law Father Tampa, Facebook, the Law Father, and ask people to submit questions. I have three local people who have submitted questions to me, and I will challenge you to do the same. 
Go on to Facebook, go on to Instagram, and submit a question. On Instagram, it's Lawfather Tampa. On Facebook, it's The Lawfather. Submit a question to me. No question's a bad question. I'll select the questions, read them on air. Okay, I don't actually thoroughly read through these questions, so we're going to get through the question and the answer all together. Uh, hopefully, they're not too terribly difficult here as we go. Uh, but if you have a difficult one, please, please ask it, and we'll do it just like this, live, right on right on air, and uh, hopefully I have the answer for you. So first one is from Cindy in Tampa. She said, I was in a car accident and was hurt badly. The insurance gave me $1,000 and had me sign a paper. My medical bills are getting high. I want to sue the other driver. Can you help me do that? Well, Cindy, my guess is probably not. I'd love to be able to help you out, uh, but my guess is that paper that the insurance company had you sign is what's called a release. And what a release says is that it settles any and all claims and that you can't bring a lawsuit against the person that you that hits you. And in exchange for that, they gave you $1,000, which makes it a valid contract, regardless of how high your medical bills are. Uh, really, really hate to see that when, when somebody walks in my door and they have this paper or they don't realize that they've signed the paper and we get started on it and we talk to the insurance company and the insurance company goes, hey, you know, Cindy signed a release. And we go, what? Uh, send it to me. And we see this release and it says right at the top, bodily injury release. And it says it settles any and all claims between Cindy and Mr. Defendant who hit her on this date. So really disheartening to see because there's really no avenue to go after. Uh, so that said, the only potential would be if you had your own uh, uninsured motorists and the release was signed strictly on the bodily injury insurance side, which the bodily injury insurance is the insurance of the person who hits you that covers you. Your uninsured motorist coverage covers you from people who don't have enough insurance. That may be the only possibility, but likely speaking, Cindy's going to be out of luck, uh, and, and I absolutely feel for her. Don't be Cindy, okay? Call me, 855-LAWFATHER, before you sign anything, all right? That's number one. We can talk about it. We'll walk it through. I'll answer any questions I have, or excuse me, any questions you have, okay? Don't feel any pressure that just because you call me and ask me a question that I'm going to make you uh, sign up. Now, obviously, we have to follow Florida bar rules, right? But I'll answer generic questions for you. No problem at all there. All right. Number two, it looks like we are going to move uh, into a topic that I, I think I beat to death here just a minute ago. Um, Ryan from Riverview. I was recently arrested for DUI. I did not blow for the breathalyzer. Was that the right move? Now, I don't know if you guys all heard me on Ian Beckles podcast a while back, but that was something that we discussed a little bit in detail. It was something that he asked me about uh, how to know when to blow. And really, kind of what it comes down to is if you don't know, don't blow, right? If you don't know how much alcohol you've had, if you don't know if you're going to blow over, don't blow. Now, if you know that the only drink you had was five hours ago and it was a single 12 ounce beer, okay, then blow because you're going to blow triple zeros, okay? There, there's no. There's nothing that I know of that you you wouldn't metabolize that alcohol over 
a five-hour period with that one single beer. Now, that said, if you have no idea, don't blow because what's going to happen is if you don't blow, yeah, you're going to lose your license for a year. That's going to happen. That's going to be part of it. When you get your license, you agree to take any breath test. However, they now have one less piece of evidence against you in the criminal trial for DUI. They now don't have those numbers to show that you were 0.15, 0.16, which would be double the legal limit. Legal limit is 0.08. So as I mentioned before, please do everybody a favor. Call an Uber, call a friend, call a Lyft. But if you do get arrested for DUI, we can help you out with that. If you don't know, don't blow. Uh, Maybe in another podcast here, we'll go over field sobriety exercises and what they mean and why they might not be fair. Uh, Having spent six years in law enforcement and administered these tests, um, then been on the other side of these things, uh, I tell you, in my personal opinion, this is strictly a personal opinion, feel as though they might not be the most fairest thing, although they may be the only thing that we have and it may be the best way. So. That's what those are. Um, every report I've ever seen for DUI and every report I ever wrote for DUI, bloodshot, glassy, watery eyes, right? That's across the board. They're all going to read like that. And there's all these several things. And like I said, we'll spend some time on a future episode going over uh, what that looks like and what what a DUI uh, exercise piece looks like. Uh, on the law enforcement side, we were always taught to call them exercises and not tests because it sounds better in court. Uh, and that's one of the things, too, that that we'll get into is court's just a big show. What sounds better? It's not always about who's right and who's wrong and who's being more truthful than the other one. It's who puts on the better show. So that aside, let's get on to question number three. Question number three comes from Jason in Tampa. I was walking to the store. I tripped and fell, hurting my knee. I had to have surgery. I didn't trip on anything, and it wasn't slippery. Can I sue? Well, doesn't sound like it, does it? Right? Just because you get hurt doesn't mean someone's at fault. Now, there's a lot of moving parts. This would be what we call a slip and fall. There's a lot of moving parts when you're talking about a slip and fall case. Uh, Was there a dangerous condition? Was there a sign warning you of that dangerous condition? Did whoever owned the area that the dangerous condition was in know about that condition? Lots of things, lots of moving parts. Now, hey, if Jason called me, talk to him all about it, get all the details from what I have here, uh, that simply he tripped and fell and that he didn't trip on anything and that the ground wasn't slippery, I don't think he has a case. But I may, he may call me, he may call 855-LAW-FATHER and Jason and the law father have a conversation and, and Jason says something, I go, hey, that actually is a case. Or he may say, hey, the the sidewalk was raised just a little bit, and here's why it was raised, and here's why I didn't see it, and here's this piece, and here's that piece. So a lot of moving parts, very, very important to talk to an attorney to go over all of those moving parts. Uh, But Jason, based on uh, his question here, uh, I don't think he has a case. So that is that for today. Please do subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast Legal questions, 855 Lawfather. Please also go check out our Instagram, The Lawfather Tampa, and our Facebook, The Lawfather. Check us out, like our stuff, 
follow us, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Lawfather out. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. I don't care what you do as an occupation. Uh, this coronavirus slash COVID-19 is uh, affecting your life. I don't care what you do. It's affecting your life. Um, there's some companies out there that are flourishing, but and we talk about uh, percentage-wise, um, 90% of them are, are hemorrhaging, no doubt. You know, they're, they're talking about some people... Uh, some companies needing workers. I know they brought up Pizza Hut. I guess Pizza Hut can't make enough pizzas fast enough. I guess, you know, people don't want to go to Publix because Publix is, you know, it's it's almost a field trip to go to Publix now, okay? You get there and you're trying to stay away from people and they don't have anything you need and it's just, it's it's a fiasco. Uh, Publix is another place that needs people to work. Uh, I heard Amazon and CVS, so... You know, the people who are laborers, I'm not worried about you. More of the artistic people. I don't know what the hell you're going to do. You know how artsy-fartsy people are. You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.